Lucie. Right? There we go. All right. Okay, let's rewind. Good morning. How is everybody? You guys sound great this morning. I tell you, I feel like it's been uh, forever since I, I've been up here. Uh, just, uh, it's good to be back. And I'd like to open up with a word of prayer this morning. And if you guys have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open up to Luke's Gospel. It's Luke is in the New Testament. That's where we're going to spend the majority of our time this morning. Luke chapter 2, we've already read the scripture this morning uh, together. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8 through 14, is where we're going to be in just a few minutes. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Matthew, Mark, Luke. And I'll open us up with a prayer. Father, we just come before you uh, this morning as we lift our voices to you, as we sing uh, our praises to you, God, as we uh, honor you, and uh, God, I, we, just, we just want to, to glorify you in all that we do. God, you, you are worthy, you are, uh, you, are, uh, you are good, as we have seen, uh, sang this morning, um, and so God, we just praise you for the fact that we can come together as a church and with different backgrounds and uh, God, we can just come together and we can uh, worship you and we can break open your word and we can study and we can just see uh, your son Jesus and what he has done for us. And so my prayer this morning, God, is that you would open our, our minds and our hearts. God, that you would just take away any distractions that we might have and that you would... Uh, to speak to us, that you would fill this place with your spirit, and um, that we would see ourselves for who we are in light of who Jesus is, and that we would see our need for Jesus. Uh, that's my prayer, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to start just by simply saying thank you guys so much for all of your encouragement, uh, man, cards, just an overwhelming response uh, to the birth of our, our third son, Asher James. And so we just really appreciate that. For those of you that don't know, we had our, our third son, if you're new here this morning. I am, I am one of the pastors here at Chester Christian Church. And, um, and so I just want to say thank you guys. I mean, the support has been overwhelming. Uh, we had folks that have uh, volunteered to, to babysit for us uh, this past Friday. And we had the opportunity to go out and celebrate our nine-year anniversary because somebody from the church volunteered to come over and watch all three boys and uh, so we praise, praise Jesus for, for that and for them and for you guys. Uh, I just want to say that you have blessed our family tremendously. And so thank you. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Uh, as you can see, that, that, is, that is Asher James there, uh, a little over two, almost two and a half weeks now. And I just want to say, man, that this, this right here never gets old, right? This never, 
never gets old. Watching the birth of your child never gets old. I, I remember the first one with Jude, six, a little over six years ago. Uh, we, we found out we were pregnant, we were excited, and, and for nine months, it seemed like it crawled by. Uh, we, we eagerly waited, we anticipated his birth, we were nervous, we were excited, and uh, man, when he finally arrived, we, 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 we were so excited. And then I remember the same, same with our second, with Shepard. Uh, we found out we were pregnant, and again, we were excited, and uh, Tom... Uh, went by a little bit faster, you know, because now you have uh, one that's in the house and running around, and you're trying to keep up with them. Uh, but it still seemed like it kind of crawled by a little bit. But again, we, we were excited. We waited with anticipation. And, and when the time finally arrived, uh, we, were, we were a little nervous and excited at the same time. And to be able to see uh, the birth of your children is just an amazing thing. and It never gets old. And then with our third, uh, again, we, we were excited and, and I say this because Robin is not here, uh, because she would totally disagree with me on this. Uh, she, I, I can see her just rolling her eyes uh, at me now as I say this to you. But uh, you know, with the third one, I'll be honest with you, because of the previous two, because of Judah Shepherd, uh, time did not crawl by this time. Time actually flew by. And I'll be honest with you, there were days that I actually had this moment of like, oh yeah, that's right, we're pregnant. <laughs> I forgot we're having a kid. Now, Robin, she wouldn't say that because obviously she's carrying all three kids. And uh, every day she, she, she felt it and she knew. Uh, but, but I can tell you, man, that even with a third one, it doesn't get old. That, that as the time approached and as that morning came that we were in the hospital, we were anticipating the birth of our third son. And we were excited and nervous. And as, as I got to see him uh, come uh, into this world, it was just an amazing thing. And... If you've never had the opportunity to witness that, man, it is it's, 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 it is awesome to see that. It's mind blowing to think that God uh, just knit uh, that baby together in uh, in the womb there. Isn't that amazing to think about that? And then as they come out, and, and they were in, it's just it's it's mind blowing. And so, uh, man, we just we were so uh, so eager to meet him, and, and we waited with anticipation and. And that's really what this Advent season is all about, if you think about it, right? It's about the anticipation and excitement of the coming of Jesus Christ. And, and hundreds, uh, hundreds of years, uh, God's people, the Israelites, longed for the day that Jesus would come. They longed for this day. They waited with anticipation for the coming of the true King, a Messiah that would rescue them and save them. Right? God had promised through his prophets, if you read through the Old Testament prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah, you see where God had promised that there would be a, a true king, a Messiah that would sit on David's throne. David is a reference to uh, one of the kings in the Old Testament, the man after God's own heart. And matter of fact, Isaiah says in, in chapter 9, verse 6, we sang about it this morning, he says, he says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And the people of God long for that day. And so my prayer for us this morning is that this event would never get old. Because isn't that the danger for us? Is that, that, that Christmas comes along and, and it can kind of just get old, it can, it can kind of become familiar to us. Right? You guys, you guys know what I'm talking about when, uh, how, how many of you like uh, to listen to music? How many of you have a favorite song that you listen to? Yeah? 
right? And you know, uh, you hear that favorite song on the radio, and you're like, oh, I love that song. And so you, you uh, thank God for iTunes, because you can go out and get this, the single of the song. You guys remember back in the days when you have to, uh, I can remember back in the day, man, when you'd have to set your stereo up, and you put the tape cassette in there, and you'd have to wait. We used to wake up on Sunday mornings, and they had that, was it Casey, Casey Canem? Is that what it was? Casey Kasem. And uh, he used to do the top 40 or whatever it was. And I remember we would be getting ready for church. And, and Mom, you probably remember this too. And we'd be waiting for that song that we loved. And, and, and you'd always miss the beginning of it because then you'd have to push the play and pause button at the same time, right? And uh, thank God for iTunes, right? And, uh, and I also, I, I remember too, I remember when uh, a, a song came out and I liked it. And you, I don't know if you guys did this or not, but I used to go out. And I would buy a whole CD just for one song. Do you guys ever do that before? Right? Thank God for iTunes. <laughs> right? It saves you a lot of money. All right? But, but the same thing, right? You, so you, you get that song, you download it, and then you start listening to it, right? And you listen to it, and you listen to it for like weeks, two or three weeks. You listen to it. It's the only song you listen to. And then what ends up happening, right? It kind of gets old. It gets familiar. And then you lose interest in it, right? That's, that's the danger of Advent. That's the danger of this, especially, man, if you are here and you're a Christian and you grew up in the church for uh, any length of time, the danger for us is that this season can become very familiar to us, especially in the midst of chaos, in the midst of, you know, going to Christmas parties and events and different things. We can kind of get so wrapped up in all of these other things that, this event, the birth of Jesus, just kind of becomes familiar to us. Like, oh, yeah, I know about the birth of Jesus. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's, and it really doesn't have that impact on us. And my prayer is that, that we would guard against that. that. That we would look forward to an event that, that literally changed the world. Right? An event where, where God sent his son into the world to become the center of history. But, but more important for you and more important for me, he sent his son into this world to be the center of your life, and he sent his son into the world to be the center of my life. And I just want to tell you this morning that when Jesus becomes the center of your life, and when he becomes the center of my life, it centers us on something that is stable. That's why our, our, our purpose here is, is to make much of Jesus. We want Jesus to be the center of of everything that we do. We want him to be the center of your life. We want you to make much of Jesus, not just here on Sunday morning at Chester Christian Church, man, as we sing songs together and as we, as we worship together, but we want you to make much of Jesus in your homes, in your workplaces, in your neighborhoods. Because when you center him, when he's the center of your life, you are centering on something that is hopeful, Right? Something that gives us a sense of, of purpose, that my life just isn't about waking up from day to day and going to my job and, and accumulating stuff and making money. Right? But my life has purpose. It has meaning. It gives us a sense that I don't have to, to fear, even though there are, there are many things to fear in this life, we don't have to fear. Right? That this season, Christmas, we are reminded that, listen, God is, is on our side. Amen? That he is for us. That we don't have to, to worry. And one of the ways that we see that God is for us during Advent is the peace that Christ brings. And that's what I want to 
to kind of talk to you briefly about this morning is the peace that Christ brings. And I know that that may be difficult for us to kind of wrap our, our minds around this morning because we look at the world that we live in and we think, man, we live in a world that is opposite of peace, right? I mean, there is chaos everywhere. And we may think, man, if this was Jesus' mission, if this was his purpose was to bring hope and peace, then maybe he, maybe he failed on, his, on that part of the mission. I mean, let's just be honest with you this morning. How many of you, and you don't have to answer this, but how many of you this morning would say that you are at peace, that you have peace in your life? How many of you would say that, man, I don't worry. I'm not anxious about anything. Right? Not, not, not too many of us would be able to say that, right? So, so this morning, we want to look at how does Christ bring peace in our life? Alright, so let's, let's read this passage of Scripture together. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. We've read it already this morning, so we'll, we'll, we'll read through this. And this is what Luke writes. He says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. That's a great verse right there. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was the angel of a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And so the first thing that I want us to, to look at this morning is I want us to, to, to see the first group of people to hear the good news of, this, uh, of the gospel, and that is the shepherds. And, and this is not what you would expect in this story. This is what, I, I like what Tim Keller says, he calls this the, the kingdom economics, referring to how the economy, in the economy of God's kingdom, it's upside down. And you see this as you read throughout the Gospels of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll begin to see this pattern that, that people that were on the outside, those who were marginalized in society, uh, the, 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 those people on the outside, and then you had some the people on the inside, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, people who were considered to be on the inside. And as you read through the Gospels, you begin to see that the people who are on the outside actually become insiders, and the people who were supposed to be on the inside become outside. That's kingdom economics, right? It's the, Jesus comes and he turns things upside down, right? It's not, the, it's not in the economy where we oper- that we operate where we would see power as worthy and admirable, but, but rather, we, we see that God values, that we, He operates in a world where He values lowliness and, and humility. And so we see that the, 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 the good news doesn't come first to the religious elite, right? It, it doesn't come to the, the morally upright. It doesn't come to those who have it all together, but it comes to those who are broken, who are uh, hopeless, and who are helpless. I mean, it comes to shepherds. I don't know if you know anything about shepherds in the first century world, but they were considered nobodies. They were on the margins of society, right? They, they were the rejects. They were the ones who people looked at, and, and they were unclean. They, they were thieves. They, they were nomads. They didn't have a home. They just wandered out in the fields. I don't know if you guys have ever been around a sheep farm or been around sheep before, but where I grew up, 
uh, we had a, uh, some folks that had sheep on a farm, and, and we would go, and we would see them, and they would shear the sheep, and, 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 and I'm telling you, they don't, they don't smell that great, right? It's, it's not a fun smell, and so these guys, I mean, they were filthy, and they were unwanted, and they were, on the, and, and they were considered by the religious people that they were outside of God's grace, and yet when it comes time to, to herald the good news that Jesus has arrived, God chooses to come to not the morally upright, but rather the morally broken. And I want us to just take a moment and let that sink in for a second, okay? Again, it's, it's very easy for us to just, this to be, become, become very familiar to us, right? But I want that to sink in for a second. And, and what I mean is this, I, I know that there are some people, and, and maybe there's some people here that, that haven't given their life to Jesus yet. You may be a non-Christian. I know there's, there's, there's lots of non-Christian folks that, that you live around, that you work with day to day, and many of them feel like that God doesn't like them. Many of them feel like, man, there's no way that God could ever love me, there's no way that God could ever forgive me, and, and so they just feel like that, that God is distant, like he is just totally mad at them. They feel marginalized. I would even bet this morning that there are many of you here, many Christians, and I know this because, listen, this is a struggle that we all have from time to time. And this is this, that you feel like even sometimes that maybe God is even mad at you. That you, that you beat yourself up, right, when you fall short, when you have that, that one sin that you tend to go back to, and you just kind of beat yourself up. How many of you guys, you don't have to answer this question, but how many of you do that? Right, you just kind of beat yourself, you feel like, man, God is mad at me. How, how, could, he, how could he love me? And yet God... The good news is that God sent the angels to the shepherds. And what's amazing here in this text is that God is sending his angel and the heavenly host to the, uh, to the shepherds. And this is actually a pattern of how Christ will do ministry as we read throughout the Gospels. Right? I mean, we don't have to read very far into the Gospels to see that, that the most common accusation against Jesus is that he was a friend of sinners. I mean, that's who Jesus hang out with. Uh, he would, I mean, you just go through, man, you can see, I mean, he, he, he approaches Matthew, one of his disciples who was a tax collector, and they were, they were hated and despised as well. And he asked Matthew to follow him. He goes to a house of a Pharisee, who was one of the religious elite, right? The, the one who was supposed to be an insider. And this Pharisee is sitting there having dinner with Jesus. And this woman who had a bad reputation comes in and starts washing Jesus' feet with her tears and this perfume. Right? And, 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 and so Jesus, he hung out with sinners. You have the, the story in John 4 of the woman at the well who was a Samaritan woman. And she uh, was living a lifestyle that was not, um, was not pleasing, I guess you could say. And yet Jesus approaches her and engages her in conversation. You have Zacchaeus, who also was a tax collector. In Luke 19, and Jesus calls Zacchaeus by name, and he says, come down from that tree. I want to have a meal with you today. You have Nicodemus, who was also a religious elite person, who comes to Jesus at night, and Jesus engages him and talks to him. Listen, Jesus had this ability to show love while at the same time to speak truth 
into people's life in a way that just changed them. And that's, that's what the gospel is. The gospel is the perfect balance of love and truth, right? That, that, we, are, that we are sinners, and yet we are loved by God. Right? It's the perfect balance of, of love and truth. And, and Jesus had a way of, of engaging people and, and just wooing them uh, away from what was false toward the truth. And this is the point. This is the point I make. If, if you are here and you're a non-Christian, or if you're a Christian who is always beating yourself up, the coming of Christ is about God's friendship towards you. Do you believe that? It's about his friendship towards you. It's about God's desire to bring peace, to restore, to rescue. It's not about Jesus coming with a new set of commands that you better obey. Right? I mean, you remember in the Old Testament, God, God gave us Ten Commandments in Exodus. Right? It's not Jesus didn't come, he wasn't born in the manger, and, in, and as he's coming out, he's holding Commandments 11 through 20 up in the air, right? That's not what Jesus is doing. Right? But God desires to bring peace. He says, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. And his favor rests on those who trust in Jesus. You see, the ancient Hebrew concept of peace is rooted in that, that Hebrew word shalom. You've heard people say shalom. And, and what it means, it means wholeness and completeness. And the first and only example of this that we see in Scripture, this type of peace, is the condition that existed in the beginning in the Garden of Eden. In the very first two chapters of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we get a glimpse of this uh, shalom type of peace, right? We see Adam and Eve, and they were at peace with God and all that he had created. I mean, they could walk around with all the animals, right? They could walk around with the lion, the king of the jungle, and be safe. They, could, they, could, they walked with God. I mean, they had intimate relationship with him. Though their needs were supplied. There was no worry. There was no anxiety. There was no fear, no sickness, no hunger, no disease. There was no oppression. And there was no death. I mean, this was the, 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 this was the shalom peace. They could approach God without fear. But it was short-lived because of sin, right? Because of disobedience towards God, that peace, that shalom with God was lost. It was broken. As a matter of fact, after the fall, the Bible describes our relationship to God as enemies. We are enemies now of God. That's the opposite of peace, right? The Bible also tells us that as a result of sin, that we are, we are born with a natural tendency to sin. Right? We, we are born with this natural bent to just disobey, to rebel. Okay, listen, no, nobody had to teach my kids to lie. Like, they didn't learn lying from me. Now, they just lie because they are sinners. Right? That's their natural bent. That's where they, they go. That peace was shattered. Instead of being objects of, of God's love, we became objects of God's wrath now. You see, hope, hope was lost. Peace was lost. It was all gone. And this is, this is why the angel in verse 10 says, listen, he says, fear not, because there was fear there. He says, fear not, behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for some of the people, a few of the people, all the people. It's not just for 
those who have it all together. It's not just for the well-educated or the well-behaved. It's not just for those with good credit scores. It's not just for those who tithe 12%. You know, it's not just for those who, who, who think they, they have it all together. It's, it's, it's for everybody. Romans 5, 8, one of my favorite verses in the Bible says that God showed his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so this is what I want you to see, man, is that God, a God of love, wants to restore the sinner to himself, but a God of holiness must see to it that sin is judged. And so God has a dilemma here. He, he, he's a God of love. He, he, he wants to love us, but he's also a God of holiness, and he's got to judge sin, and we are sinners. We have rebelled against him. We are enemies. And so the, God has this dilemma. He can't just overlook our sins. Someone has to pay the penalty for our sins. And so God sends Jesus into this world, his one and only son, to be the sacrifice for our sins. See, that's that perfect balance of love and truth. And thereby, what, Jesus, what God did is he, he shows us that he meets uh, the perfect demand. He meets the demand of, of, of fully loving us and, and fully judging our sin in Jesus Christ on the cross. At the cross, you see the love of God and the wrath of God meeting at the cross. That's just amazing. We need to just let that sink in for a second. Ephesians 2.14 says that Jesus made peace. He made peace. Romans 5.1 and Colossians 1.20 says that we have peace through the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus restored the peace between us and God. We read in John 3.17, right? I know John 3.16 is the one that everybody knows and gets all the press, but John 3.17 says... Christ has come into the world not to condemn the world, but rather to save the world from condemnation. Listen, he has broken down the walls of hostility between us and God. I want you to notice what the shepherds did once they heard the good news. And this is amazing here, right? What did the shepherds do? If you read through on down to the text, it says that they immediately left uh, and they went to Jesus. I want you to think about that for a second, right? Because of sin... It brought fear. And people were afraid to approach God. And now, with Jesus coming, the shepherds, those who, were, those who were outcast, those who were disobedient, those who were marginalized in society, they're able to now approach Jesus without fear. You see what Jesus has done for us? He has broken down the walls of hostility. He has given peace between us and God has been restored. So what does this mean for us? Well, if you are a non-Christian, again, Jesus is a friend of sinners. There's absolutely nothing that you have done that Jesus is just like, oh my goodness, I can't believe you did that. <laughs> he's not appalled by that. He's not, he's not like, you, you are cutting it close, man. My, Jesus died for all of your sins. And if you are a Christian here, listen to me. Stop beating yourself up. Stop beating yourself up. Preach this gospel message to yourself every single day. Wake up in the morning and say, Satan, you're not going to get to me today. And look at yourself in the mirror and say, I'm a child of God and I'm loved by him. 
and stop beating yourself up. Can we do that? Can we do that? Uh, the other thing that it means for us, too, is, man, that we need to also be friends uh, with people who are non-Christians, people who are outside of, of Jesus. It means that we need to see them with the eyes that, that, that God sees them with. We need to see them with love and compassion. It means that we need to build relationships with people who are outside of Christ. We need to engage them. We need to have conversations with them. Right here, here, here's a novel idea. Why don't, why don't we invite them over for dinner? Have dinner with them. We've got to look for intentional ways. And again, not not they don't don't let them. They're, they're not projects, okay? They're not. They're like, okay, I want to I want to win you to Jesus. You know, we want to we want to befriend them. We want to show them the love of Jesus, right? So build relationships with them. I mean, that's, that's what the incarnation is all about. That's what Jesus coming to this earth in the flesh is all about. That he came and he dwelled among sinners, among shepherds, among us. And as followers of Jesus, people who have given their life to him and his mission, then we are to also be the hands and feet of Jesus, right? We are to go out and show the love of him, to be the light of the world, to bring this message of peace, that, that, that Christ has restored peace between us and God. And so the good news is that Christ has brought peace between us and God, but, but what about today? Right, I want to touch on this just real quick. What about everyday, just normal life? I mean, do you have peace? Do you, do you, are, are you restless? Are you living in fear? Do you find yourself anxious all the time, worrying about this and worrying about that? I mean, listen, this is supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year, right? It's the most wonderful time of the year, right? But, but, but oftentimes, it's not the most wonderful time of the year, right? For, for a lot of people, it's, it's a horrible time of the year. I mean, I was talking to a, a lady on the phone uh, while I was texting back and forth with her, asking her how she was doing. She's an older lady, and um, I, I did the funeral for her, her son, uh, who died tragically in a, in a car accident three or four months ago. And her response to me was, I'm just wishing the holidays to be over. You think she's at peace right now? Right? So, 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 so there's a lot of people that, that, are, that are hurting. There's a lot of people that uh, are struggling. And yet Jesus makes statements like this. He, in John 14, 27, Jesus is talking to his disciples right before he goes to the cross. And he says, this is what Jesus said. This is his words. He says, peace I leave with you. Not, not uh, hey, you know, You'll eventually get peace. But you see, Jesus is saying, right now I'm leaving peace with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The Apostle Paul writes in Colossians 3.15, he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. The Apostle Paul also writes in Galatians Right, the fruit of the Spirit. This is the fruit of the Spirit. This is if you are a follower of Jesus, you have these qualities. You have these attributes in your life, right? We know them, like love, joy, peace. Right, peace is supposed to be in us. And I know that, that oftentimes we don't, we don't feel at peace, do we? Well, let me encourage you this morning by giving you an example from John the Baptist's life. John the Baptist, if you don't know who John the Baptist uh, was, he's, he was the forerunner of, of Jesus. He was 
uh, born, well, I think six months right before Christ. Uh, and he came into this world, and his whole purpose was to prepare the way for Jesus. If you read through the Gospels, you'll see John the Baptist. He was a, he was a uh, eccentric kind of, of man, right? He, he wore some crazy clothing, he ate some crazy food. But he, he loved God, and he preached a message of repentance, and he, pray, he, he prepared the way for Jesus. And there's this interesting passage in Matthew 11, and it's in other Gospels as well, but Matthew 11 you, you, you'll see this passage, it's, it's the very first few verses there. John the Baptist is in prison, he's in a jail cell, and he has one of those moments of, oh snap, what if, what if I'm wrong? He has one of those doubting moments, you guys ever doubt? You guys ever have those moments where you doubt, right? And John, had, John the Baptist, this is John the Baptist, he has one of those moments of, of doubt. He has one of those moments where kind of fear creeps in, anxiety creeps in. He's like, he's thinking, you know, well, what if I'm wrong? And so he, take, he asks his disciples, he says, listen, I want you to go to Jesus, and I want you to ask Jesus this question for me. He says, because I've I got to get this, you know, solved in my mind here. He says, ask Jesus if he is the one to come, or should we expect someone else? And so his disciples go to Jesus, and they ask Jesus this question. And this is what uh, Jesus responds to his disciples. He says, I want you to go back, and I want you to tell John what you have seen. And what Jesus does, he quotes from Isaiah. And I want to read this to you real quick. Isaiah, you don't have to turn there. Uh, I'll, I'll read it for you. But Jesus quotes from the book of Isaiah uh, 35, you can write it down and, and go back and look at it, but I want you to, to see, this is what Jesus says here. He says, uh, 35 verses 5 and 6, says, uh, well, I'm starting in verse 4, he says, say, this is Isaiah writing, say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong Fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. In verse 5, this is what he says. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then all the lame man leap like deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. Jesus quotes that scripture. He says, go and tell John what you have seen and what you hear. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, and the poor have the good news preached to them. And when they had gone back and they would have shared that with John, that would have brought John peace. That would have calmed his anxious heart, right? That, that would have cured his doubting, right? Because he, he hears that, and, and what he hears is, man, there is peace breaking out. And what he sees there is a glimpse, listen, a glimpse of Genesis 1 and 2 world. Where there's not going to be any, where there's no sickness, there's no death, right? There's no, none of that stuff. Jesus is bringing that. And so what that means for us today is this, that, that yes, we live in a chaotic world. And sometimes we think, man, where is peace? But just as people waited for Advent, and they waited with anticipation the coming of Jesus the first time, we wait with anticipation of the second coming of Christ when he will make all things new. 
and we, we live, and then we will live in a Genesis 1 and 2 world. Amen? Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, do not be anxious. Right? It literally, literally means stop worrying about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Listen to me, man. What you're experiencing today isn't going to last forever. Be at peace today. Do you have that kind of peace? We're going to sing a song here. I'm going to ask the band to come back out. And I want to encourage you this morning that uh, if you're here this morning and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, if you've never put your faith and trust in Him and what He did on the cross for you, I want to encourage you to do that today. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? He has made peace. It says his, his favor rests on those, uh, who, uh, those who trust in Jesus. Right? So, so, man, if you're here this morning and you're outside of Jesus, then come. I'd love to talk to you about that, what that means and what that looks like. If you're here this morning and you are hurting and you are struggling with the holiday season or if you're just going through a difficult time in your life, we want to encourage you. We want to pray for you. There'll be some prayer team members up front here. I'm going to invite you guys to come on up. And we would love for you to come up and let us pray with you this morning. Would you guys stand with us and sing? Come on.